passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You are on a collision course. Live, unlike the show that we're talking about tonight, this is Collision Course, uh, episode number 22. I'm still numbering them, Kate. How are you doing today? I've had a really lousy day, I'm going to be honest. And hello, welcome to the free feed. This is going to start with me complaining. Uh, no, I've just had a, a completely crappy day, and I'm very happy to be here with you because it helps get my mind off things. Well, thank you. We have a lot more people than usual here, hopefully to make your day brighter, as we are, as you stated, live on YouTube.com slash Post Wrestling, a free show we're doing this week as uh, we are going head to head with uh, some other host competition. I wouldn't even call them competition. They're all our family and friends as a uh, rich fan. Uh, WH Park and Nate Milton are currently recording MCU later talking about the season finale of Loki, or maybe serious finale, not too sure. So because of that, they are in the Post Wrestling Cafe while me and Kate are invading the free waves here on uh, Twitter, X, YouTube, Facebook, wherever you choose to watch your post shows. Um, but yeah, um, do, do you want to talk about your shitty day or would you rather just go right into to wrestling to forget it all? I really shouldn't. Like, it's just, uh, this, is, this is wrestling. This is not a therapist's office. So I hope everyone's doing better than I am. But we and have a other- show to talk about, so let's do Absolutely. Um, and some other shows really quick to get a talk about um, on the Post Wrestling Network. Uh, if you haven't watched New Japan Pro Wrestling Lone Star Shootout and you want to hear Bruce Lord and Karen Peterson talk about it, they do have a review of it on Post Wrestling Cafe right now. Did you get a chance to catch uh, the Lone Star Shootout at all? I caught, uh, I think, most of it. Basically, I watched it last night up to the point when Rampage started, then I switched over to that, and then I went back today and watched one match, which was uh, Mayu Iwatani versus Stephanie Vakwe, and, or Vakier, uh, but... Uh, it, so I went back and watched that one, which was really impressive. And uh, other than that, yeah, so I saw the early bits. I still have to go back and watch the, the a couple of the later matches. But uh, I think I caught up on most. Yeah, I had to catch up as well. I feel like New Japan, especially New Japan Strong on the U.S. side, has been doing a lot more shows lately, like one show a month, it feels like, maybe sometimes even two. Because of that, it's mm-hmm. kind of hard for me to, to keep track with that, as well as like the standard New Japan wrestling that happens in Japan as well. Um, but I'm definitely going to catch that show. But like I said, if you want to hear Bruce Lord and Karen Pease talk about it, the show is up now on the Post Wrestling Cafe.com. Uh, as, and as soon as we're done with this, if you want to listen to the uh, Loki review, like I said, Rich Fan, WH Park, and Nate Milton. And a cheap plug to Postmarks, the past episode, episode uh, number 25, the two-year anniversary for Postmarks, David Myers and Bruce Lord were able to talk to Nate Milton for over an hour. Uh, awesome discussion. I'm a huge fan of, of Nate Milton. When I first started listening to Law, he was one of the first voices I heard along with John and Way. So definitely cool to hear a little bit more about Nate that uh, most people might not know. Uh, and as well, if you're in the USC, there is a USC event right now, 295, and tomorrow at 11 a.m., John Pollock and Eric Marcotte will be talking about that as well. Um, as a reminder, this show is free, but only patrons could call in. So check your link or check postwrestling.com or in your email if you want to call in and uh, give us any feedback or questions at the end of the show. But we are going to go into this show. Uh, like I mentioned, it is a taped edition of uh, Collision. It was taped yesterday after Rampage at the Oakland Arena in Oakland, California. Um, did you get a chance to watch Rampage at all? Uh, I did get a chance to watch Rampage. I watched it uh, live, actually. I quite enjoyed it. I find that Rampage is on a bit of a tear right now because uh, like the last few weeks seem to have uh, they, they seem to have 
found a good formula, which is to have one sort of big must-see match that you're not going to get anywhere else and just a bunch of other kind of pile on a bunch of fun stuff. Uh, so I've, I've actually been quite enjoying it. And I, th- I think finally it feels like the show has found its feet. Uh, I'm hoping that this is a, a longer term change. <laughs> yeah. And as we'll talk about later on in the show, there is a, uh, a tournament of sorts happening and in, um, in AW and I didn't get a chance to really look at all the dates, but I'm not sure if rampage was even listed as where this continental classic, you know, I guess we can talk about it now since I guess it's one of the biggest notes coming out of the show tonight, but uh, Tony Khan announced a, G1 style round robin tournament um, starting at the end of November in Chicago with 12 competitors, two leagues, six men on each side. And uh, the winners will face each other in the finals. And then the winner of that uh, will face at world's end in uh, Long Island at the end of December. So yeah, G1 style, as Tony Khan said, is something that we've been waiting for. Uh, We've been clamoring for according to uh, Tony Khan. And uh, the only announced competitor so far is Brian Danielson. So yeah, G1 style, AEW tournaments. How do you think that is going to go down? Is this something that you that you wanted, or have you heard any clamoring for this? I have definitely heard some clamoring, mostly among sort of kind of hardcore online fans. But that is a, a group that AEW really should be seeking to cater to. They need to kind of shore up that group of original fans that came with them, who I think have been having problems on and off with the the overall product in the, in the last year or so. So, uh, yeah, I do think there is an appetite for it. They are going to have to do a little bit of work to explain what a G1-style tournament is, but it's not really, like, it, it's not that difficult to grasp. It's basically, if you followed sports tournaments, it works very much the same way. You have, like, an opening round, and then the winners of each block they, they face off. And I'll be curious to see how it works because the thing with the G1 is it's not exceptionally well structured for television. And that's always been the uh, the block that, uh, that I think has come up about it, which is that it's a sort of a protracted uh, process that uh, takes a long time to develop. So I will be curious to see how they, um, uh, to see how they handle it and how audiences react to it. Yeah, for sure. I'm actually intrigued to see how AEW is going to handle this uh, G1 style, the Continental Classic. Um, the, when I hear that name, I just think of like some fancy hotel, like breakfast or something. I don't know. It just uh, it, it kind of stand, it sounds really uh, fancy to me. It kind of reminds me of like the uh, the old Continental and the John Wick movies. But um, yeah, that's we'll talk a little bit more about that as we get into the uh, show itself. Um, funny thing is, once this show started, the first thing I saw because there is a little delay when I watch it on TNT's website. The first image I saw at 8 p.m. was John Cena in a hospital bed. And I'm like, what is going on right now? And I, I didn't realize they were showing the ending of uh, the Suicide Squad movie that he was in where he uh, is shown at the end of the bed. It just, it's funny the timing because he just had surgery. And I'm like, why are they going to John Cena in, in a hospital to start AEW? But that wasn't the case. Uh, we do get our intros as usual um, from Edge. I'm sorry, Adam Copeland. It's going to take a while for me to say that name, right? <laughs> Adam Copeland. Darby Allen and Sting, who says they're getting ready for showtime. We have the righteous Lance Archer and Jake the Snake saying that everybody will die. LFI, who says they're coming for the tag titles. Don Callis and Powerhouse Hobbs, who says that anyone can get it. And then Daniel Garcia promises to dance over Andrade's body. And Andrade says that he will find out what his, we will find out tonight what his decision is with CJ Perry. So the commentary team for tonight is Tony Schiavone and Nigel McGuinness carrying over from their commentary from Rampage. So I guess no Kevin Kelly, no Ian Riccoboni. Maybe the fact that it was taped on a Friday, maybe their schedules don't work out. I know that Kevin Kelly wasn't on Lone Star Shootout as far as I know. It was Veda Scott and Walker Stewart? No. No, it was uh, oh. Walker Stewart. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So yeah, so it could just be a case of them just not being able to to work on a on a Friday. But I'm okay with the, the two-man team of uh, Nigel and Tony Schiavone here. We start the show with Andrade El Idolo versus Daniel Garcia, and Andrade comes out first wearing this fancy new red mask. Uh, we don't see CJ at first, but then a little bit of suspense here as CJ Perry does come out shortly after with him to be in his corner. And we see Miro in the back, and of course he doesn't look too happy about his wife being in another man's corner. They start the match slow, working on arm drags and twisting each other's wrists. A little bit more back and forth as Andrade hits the Tranquilo, and then Garcia tries to follow us up with his dance, but Andrade stops him. I think that's what you should do in wrestling. Like if somebody stops to start dancing or, or doing their pose, don't just like stop there and just watch it. Like you're in a fight, right? You want to fight these guys. This brings up an interesting uh, uh, tangent. I want to go on because I was watching this past week's uh, episode of ring of honor and there was a match. Um, it was billed as 
what the the brothers of former Ring of Honor World Champions, uh, Drillistico <laughs> versus Gravity, and there was a spot that I felt like went on for like a minute too long where Gravity is doing his. If you guys haven't seen Gravity before, um, he basically like mocks like he's walking on the moon. He does it during his entrance. He does it during his some of the the moves. But he's doing this like around Drillistico for like a good like minute, and Drillistico is just like watching him, just like okay, are you are you done with this? Attack him, you know, like, they don't, if this guy's like, you know, if this guy's doing something that's annoying to you, just, just beat him up. I don't know. Sometimes I just want to get off my chest about um people just watching their opponents uh, do their taunts or dances. But yeah, how do, how do you feel about this? I know people bring it up with, with Penta, but now uh, Daniel Garcia as well. But at least uh, Andrade was smart enough and, and stopped him in his tracks. Yeah, I, think I, I definitely notice it. There are a lot of spots like that, though. Like, it's not merely dancing. Like, it's just when guys walk the ropes, you know, it's not that difficult to stop them. Just shake the ropes, they'll fall down. There is always, there's always a suspension of disbelief with wrestling, and some spots require a lot more suspension than others. Yes, this is definitely one of them. Andrade knocks Garcia off the apron and tries to go for the moonsault, but Garcia smartly moves so Andrade can't hit it. Back inside the ring, Andrade hits a top rope crossbody for a two count, and then Garcia ends up kneeing Andrade in the back as he goes crashing to the outside from the apron. Garcia then decides to go over to CJ Perry and starts doing his dance right in front of her, and she kind of like smiles a little bit and kind of like starts to do the dance herself, but that was pretty much the, uh, the only exchange between these two. Garcia sends Andrade back inside the ring and stays in control as we go to picture in picture. When we come back after battling on the top rope, Garcia is able to get Andrade down and puts on the ankle lock as CJ looks a little bit concerned. Andrade gets out of this, though, and hits a pair of dragon screws and a running forearm as both men are laid out. Andrade follows us with the running double knees to the corner, where Garcia is able to kick out at two. Andrade heads to the top rope, but Garcia knocks him down and starts kicking the leg that he fell on. They start trading suplexes here with Andrade going for the three amigos spot, but Garcia is able to stop him with a brain buster for a two count. Andrade then comes back with his double moonsault, getting a two count. They start trading strikes back and forth until Andrade stops Garcia and puts on the figure four into the figure eight to get the submission win at 15 minutes and 45 seconds. Uh, we cut to Miro, who's backstage, kind of like smiling and laughing about this. So obviously, he, um, I think he's got some evil intentions for Mr. Andrade here. But yeah, what did you think of this match? And uh, kind of came out of nowhere, um, this Andrade-Garcia uh, match, but I definitely liked the matchup. Yeah, I, I liked it. Uh, I actually think I might have liked the match better than the Garcia versus MJF one just as a match. I I think that they're very well paired. I'd like to see them again. This really had to go in Andrade's favor because you're introducing him as a client of CJ's. I like that pairing a lot. I've talked about how I wanted to see them go ahead with this. I do think it's kind of funny like when they were showing Miro and Andrade there is a physical resemblance there and that kind of made me chuckle because you could <laughs> you could definitely see it when you're showing them you know they're both sort of similar coloring so they've got the beard and so the uh the parallels it, that kind of augments the feud in a way that she's paired up with this person who is kind of similar to her actual husband yeah, as um, when Andrade won with the figure eight, it kind of clicked in my head like, oh, yeah, I forgot that Ric Flair's in this company. They could possibly do something down the road if they wanted to with Andrade and Ric Flair. And then I thought about it and I said, you know what? Every single competitor that was involved in Ric Flair's last match is actually working for this company now because we have Jay Lethal, we have Jeff Jarrett, uh, even Karen Jarrett mm-hmm. is there. So mm-hmm. if, if they want to, if Tony Khan wants to claim, uh, you know, that. You know, and, and uh, he wants to retcon it and say, hey, uh, his last match was uh, for AEW in some way or fashion. I'm sure he can uh, definitely maneuver that. But yeah, can you see Andrade possibly doing something with Ric Flair? I know like they're kind of um, putting him dead center in the um, the poster for the Charlotte show that's coming up soon. But um, yeah, can you see Ric Flair and Andrade possibly doing something? I hope not. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. Uh, actually, John, what I'm going to do, if you could just yeah. uh, hold tight for a second, I'm going to, with my sound and video are choppy, and I'm going to see if I can get out, get back in. Sorry to everyone, but uh, I will be right back in a couple seconds. No problem. Yeah, I did hear a little bit of a delay. So if anybody hears uh, any audio issues, please let us know. Uh, let me just read the chat a little bit. We have Brian here who says that FTR versus Vikingo and Commander from Rampage is definitely worth checking out. I agree. That definitely was a good match. Uh, Ryan T said they claimed that Kevin Kelly was on assignment. Okay, so that makes sense. And then we have AEW Women's Division blog saying that the round robin tourney rocks and is good as uh, Kate is back with us. How's it sounding, Kate? Yes, uh, sounds okay for now. Hopefully, uh, if uh, hopefully things uh, are a little more even keel from now on. 
Gotcha. Um, they show footage from Dynamite this past week where we had uh, they showed the replay of the attack. So, yeah, so we finally get another attack from these masked assailants. This time, I think it was four people that were attacking the acclaimed and Billy Gunn, putting him through real glass. And then we kind of cut to the the actual devil mask themselves. Um, so, yeah, uh, finally, a little bit of an update here. Any any um, ideas who you think it is or who you might think it is or do you even care about this whole storyline and what's going on here? Or do you think they're actually doing a good job with it? Cause I think if they start to continue, like actually like doing more attacks and I think this whole mystery actually means something. Yeah. I think that it, it's going to be very interesting. I hear a lot of people talking about this. I'm invested at this point, not just in who the person in the devil mask is, but in who the others around him are, because now you're not just talking about one person. I mean, clearly it was always a group, but they really seem to be emphasizing that. So it's fun sort of, trying to pinpoint different things about each member of this group that could identify them. I mean, there are obvious choices. There are less obvious choices. There are crazy choices out there. And yeah, I'm genuinely curious to see where they go with this. And all the more so because I'm pretty sure that when they first did this, it was always going to be Adam Cole with uh, Roderick Strong in the kingdom. And it still may be a variation of that. But I get the feeling that they had to kind of readjust when Cole got injured. Yeah, I'm definitely intrigued by this. Um, I, you know, I see all these like theories, you know, it could be Jack Perry, you know, of course, everybody's going to, not everybody, but some people are going to throw in CM Punk's name. And it's like, uh, I, 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 I don't even know how I'd react to that. If I were to find out it was CM Punk behind all this, I, I honestly don't know how I'd react. I don't know if I'd like just throw my hands in the air or if I'd just be glued to the screen. Um, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't want to think about it, but there's definitely theories out there. I'm sure we'll get calls later on, uh, which are your best devil's mask theory. I heard Britt Baker is one. Um, just so, so many names out there for sure. We go back to the action here as mm-hmm. Nick Wayne, who comes out with Christian cage and Luchasaurus takes on Dalton castle. Um, Nigel brings up the fact that Nick Wayne wants to take his, uh, Christian's name, which, um, I'm pretty sure I made that Nick cage joke. Um, a couple of weeks back. So I definitely want them to, to run with this. Um, one little thing before we get to the actual match itself. So Dalton Castle, I'm a little confused with, with this guy because I'm pretty sure like he was a heel or trying to act like a heel just last week when he interrupted the acclaimed, but now he's, I guess, back in a babyface mm-hmm. role in this match. And not mm-hmm. only that, but at the end of ring of honor, he Apparently. cuts a promo to end the show. And he's challenging, you know, Eddie Kingston next week for the uh, ring of honor world championship. So it's like, it's weird because like you want to separate ring of honor and AEW, but at the same time, like your characters are on both shows doing two different roles. You have like Dalton Castle going back and forth between being a baby face and a heel. And then he's challenging for your biggest title in ring of honor. So why put him in a position where he's has to lose to a Nick Wayne on a collision? Not saying that like Nick Wayne doesn't deserve the victory, but he could choose anybody else to take that spot. I don't think somebody who's challenging for your ring of honor title should be losing to a Nick Wayne on a collision. Yeah, I'm not really sure what they were doing with this match because from what I understand, it was actually taped before and when he came out, like Dasha actually announced it as your opening match. So it was already like it felt kind of weird, like it was sort of added, like it was intended to be maybe not part of the show and then just was added in afterwards, but it didn't Hmm. really add anything to the show. Nick Wayne's offense still looks very much babyface-like and so... It's a little like I think with Christian, you can buy him as a heel, but just on his own, it doesn't come across that much. And yeah, Dalton Castle was presented as a heel against the acclaim, so it's kind of all over the place. So let's get to the match here. Um, they start the match doing a little bit of posing until Castle is able to hold Wayne down with a waist lock before pulling him into the corner into a trap suplex. Castle reminding people how extremely powerful he is. I, I tend to forget how strong he is, but when he's like whipping Nick Wayne back and forth from this like gut wrench position, it's like ridiculously how strong Dalton Castle really is. Uh, Wayne takes control and starts stomping on Castle, who gets a little champ behind him. Uh, a bit more back and forth until Castle knocks down Wayne with a with a lariat and hits a couple more suplexes. Wayne escapes out of a bangerang attempt, but Castle catches Wayne from the Wayne's World attempt into a German suplex. Luchasaurus tries to get on the apron, but the boys stop him just to get chokeslammed to their deaths on the outside. Castle goes to stop Luchasaurus, then Christian gets on the apron, distracting the referee as Wayne takes advantage and hits the Wayne's World for the pen at 6 minutes and 53 seconds. I really wish they would have made some sort of like um, joke with um, the boys and Dalton Castle. And um, possibly Christian Cage trying to ask him at least if, uh, if if Dalton Castle is their father, if they even have a father. I was hoping they would do some sort of joke with that, but they totally uh, ignored that. We get a video from Hangman Adam Page who talks about Swerve Strickland making the biggest mistake in his life when he went to his home 
and at full gear, they will have a Texas deathmatch. Hangman promises to take Swerve to the abyss and leave him in fire for eternity. And then he says that every November, he will bring his son to Swerve's grave to piss on it. Uh, I really hope he doesn't do that. I don't want him to to murder Swerve because I need to see Swerve versus Speedball at House of Glory uh, next month first, at least. But yeah, pretty uh, vicious promo here from Hangman Page. Uh, but we did get the confirmation this is a Texas death match. And uh, yeah, I guess he'll bring his son to to Swerve's grave every every year just to piss on it. <laughs> As one does. Hangman's one a, a, an extremely underrated promo. I know I've said that before, but yeah, this this works really well. Texas Deathmatch is kind of becoming his thing, so that uh, I'm, I'm interested to see it. The one with Moxley remains probably in my top ten of the year, so I don't know how they're going to top that. A little scared to know how they're going to top that. I'm also going to be curious to see who wins this one because I think. The obvious thing would be that you you trade the win back, but I sort of feel like Swerve has all this momentum right now and has shown that he's a guy like he's there. He's putting in a ton of work, and I think that he is a very good candidate to take the belt off MJF. So I don't know if you want to have him continue uh, with this feud with Hangman or if you just want to move him on from that. And maybe that opens the door to to do something very different with Hangman, sort of explore this kind of darker, more vicious, dare I say, heelish side to him. Yeah, I mean, Hangman pretty much promised us death, right? So if he beats Swerve, he pretty much has to kill him. So because of that fact, I feel like Swerve is going to win this match um, and get the victory over or Hangman. But then we don't know. If, I feel like a lot of these people that we're watching tonight are going to be in this uh, Continental Classic, including Swerve. I can see that possibly being something that he enters in and uh, gets some really good matches out of and um, possibly wins it. But uh, as far as this match goes, I feel like Swerve, in my opinion, Swerve should be the one to to go over. We go to our next match. We have Drillistico and Rusha La Fasone and Godonavale versus the Workhorsemen. As Drillistico and Anthony Henry start the match, and right away we go into pin attempts, uh, kicks, and a Tierras. The Workhorsemen start double teaming Drillistico in their corner as JD Drake tags in. Nigel and Tony Schiavone, they bring up Drake's bowling background and they start. I guess uh, arguing back and forth if uh, bowling is considered a sport or not. I'm not going to get involved. I don't want to upset anybody. Uh, Roosh tags in, and right away, him and Drake start chopping <laughs> away. Uh, Roosh knocks Henry to the outside and tags in Drillistico as we go into picture in picture. When we come back, we have LFI double teaming on Drake, and Drillistico hits a wild dive to the outside, just barely clearing it. Like he almost, like, he scared the crap out of me the way he landed, but mm-hmm. hopefully Drillistico is okay. Uh, Roosh follows this with the bull's horns to JD Drake to get the pin at eight minutes and 25 seconds. Uh, this, when I saw that the workhorseman didn't, didn't get an entrance, I'm like, oh, I hope this is not a squash match, but they got a lot more um, offense that I, that I uh, expected here going over eight minutes. But yeah, what did you think of this tag match? I think this one may actually have been FTR a while back, which, uh, which uh, look, it makes me happy. I'm always uh, thrilled to get workhorseman content on my television. So the, I'm glad that they got some stuff in. I'm glad they showed what they could do. It does feel like they're getting more of a soft introduction onto television. They are still on Ring of Honor, but they have been featured more lately, kind of along the same lines as The Righteous, just not given a personality the way that The Righteous have been. So I hope that that's something that continues, because, yeah, they're they're a very entertaining act, and I think that, truthfully, the, the tag division in the company needs a little something, and I think that they'd be a good addition to it. Yeah, I, I am happy that LFI is kind of like transition off of Ring of Honor and they're into the AW tag team division. I feel like they should definitely be uh, spotlighted on AW. Um, we see a video from the House of Black as Malachi Black says that they haven't been direct enough and so that they can acquire the thing that they want the most and they will have LFI chase them for it. Brody says that the enemy of our enemy is our friend and he puts out a challenge to Big Bill and Ricky Starks at full gear. And then Julia Hart brings up how Willow Nightingale and Chris Statlander um, – brings them up and says that she will be willow tonight and then once she wins she will get a rematch against chris statlander at full gear um i didn't realize the house of black was like the house of bookers they're over here just making tag matches and making uh, all types of championship matches but we'll find out (laughs) later on that it's not quite how they stated it but um they were kind of correct here but um yeah i actually liked on rampage how they had um house of black end the show and then you had like all four of them standing there and then you had buddy kind of step mm-hmm. back and julia step back to kind of give you the uh the idea that's going to be the kings of the black throne as they call themselves brody king and malachi black uh kind of going back as a tag team so stepping away from the trios division and uh being put in the spotlight as a tag team i like that because i love the kings of the black throne but then it's like what are you gonna do with buddy because whenever they do kings of the black throne buddy's just kind of 
waiting in the wings for something to happen. So hopefully they can do something with him while Brody and Malachi are going for the tag titles. I asked that, that he could end up going in this tournament, that he could be one of the participants, mm. one of the 12. Um, Kate, I'm still having a little bit of difficulty, like with your audio kind of going in and out. So I, I'm not really catching everything. So I'm not sure if you want to maybe exit out and come back in or change your placement or other cases. I, I'm get, on my side, at least I'm getting a couple more of audio issues. Kate, are you there? I am. And okay. what I'm going to do <laughs> is I, I, I'm going to, I'm so sorry to everyone, but yeah, whatever this problem is, the lovely people in the chat room, Again, very sorry for this. And I will be back with a clearer connection uh, next week when we'll be here on Friday, right? Yes, we will be here. Sorry, as I'm trying to catch up to everything here. Then uh, we'll have Kate back here next Friday. We're actually going to be going um, live next Friday, uh, going head to head against Rewind the Smackdown as uh, Rampage and Collision will be typing back to back on Friday as a go home show before uh, full gear. But um, Kate, if you can hear us, uh, Hopefully everything is better. I know you said you had a rough night and I'm sure this, this didn't help too much, but um, hopefully everything is okay and uh, we'll hear from you soon. All righty. Uh, it's time for me to go solo. I have, I've done this before, 15 minutes. So there's going to be 15 minutes or more here talking about the rest of this episode of Collision. Uh, so we are going to the next match here. We have Roderick Strong versus Darius Martin. This was set up last night on Rampage. Uh, Strong comes out in the full getup here. He has the, the wheelchair. He has the neck brace on glasses etc uh then of course he like takes it all off like a superhero and goes right to action here against martin they start the match with arm drags and drop kicks before martin hits the double rope crossbody for a two count strong keeps martin in the corner before hitting the 10 punches in the corner while screaming at martin to never say adam uh so Roderick strong's been doing this thing lately where pretty much like anybody's name or like the name of the city he just screams it out in the same way that he would do with adam so uh it's kind of like his thing now he just likes to scream people's names or scream city's names so hopefully it doesn't get too played out here but i'm okay with it because I, I am a fan of Roderick strong martin comes back with a uh, whipping strong in the corner but strong stops him in his tracks with a drop kick martin follows us with the manhattan drop and an enziguri and keeps strong in the corner with chops Martin comes back with a beautiful step-up pelly kick in the corner that he's been doing lately here. Strong stops Martin with a knee when he was entering the ring, followed by the sick kick and the end of the heartache for the pin and the win at 5 minutes and 30 and 53 seconds. Uh, I know that. I think it was Matt Taven had actually called it the end of the neck ache, so I'm not sure if they're going to uh, target more of the neck and call it that from now on. The Kingdom kept attacking Martin after and hit him with the wiener punch and a spiked pile driver. Uh, Action Andretti, he runs in just a little too late here um, to help his friends. This is the part where we have the announcement of the Continental Classic. So we have Tony Khan and Brian Danielson are in the back. As Tony Khan brings up this being a sad year, as Danielson said that he's wrapping up his career. Uh, Khan brings up how it was upsetting that Danielson missed last year's All-In due to injury, but he promises that Danielson will be on the show next year. So I hope they put him in bubble wrap. And uh, if they if they somehow can't deliver that, then um, that's going to be upsetting for the uh, the Wembley crowd. Uh, Khan announces the Continental Classic. So this is a round-robin style tournament with 12 competitors in two leagues of six. The tournament will start on November 22nd in Chicago and it will run for six weeks. It will continue in Pittsburgh, Minneapolis, Erie, Pennsylvania, Montreal, Dallas, Oklahoma City, and San Antonio with the league finals being in Orlando, Florida. And then the championship final will happen at World's End. So they didn't really, unless I missed it, if anybody in the chat heard something that I didn't, they just said it's going to be the championship final. So I guess it's a two league uh, finals going at each other, but they didn't really, as far as I know, they didn't announce what the winner of the overall tournament would get. I'm guessing it's a AW world title shot. Um, I'm not sure if it's a new title, if it's a cup, they didn't really state uh, as far as I know what it was, but the, uh, the only competitor announced so far was Brian Danielson. So yeah, this guy who looks like snake from metal gear solid with the eye patch on has already promised to be at Russell kingdom to be at all in next year as well as being in this um, this six-week tournament. So hopefully Brian Danielson can stay healthy throughout this entire thing as uh, as he wraps up his uh, wrestling career. Uh, as Brian says here, they didn't announce a prize for the winner. Thank you. So yeah, hopefully it's not another championship. I don't want the Continental Championship. If you're going to do it, give me a cup at least. Do like a, a Continental Cup, and you could use that to catch it in against a world title shot whenever you choose. Uh, Surin says, remember that time in NXT when someone in Undisputed Era got injured and Roddy just ran in and carried the match? <laughs> That's what Cena was doing right now. Uh, we go to the next match here. We have Julia Hart versus Willow Nightingale. Willow starts the match overpowering Julia, sending her to the outside as Willow and Brody start barking at each other. Willow stays in control, hitting the running crossbody for a two count. Willow puts on the gory special as Sky Blue is watching from the back. 
Julia tries to come back here, but gets stopped right into a side slam from Willow. They take it to the outside, where Willow hits Julia with a suplex as we go to picture-in-picture. Picture. When we come back, Willow kicks Julia down before hitting a spine buster for a two-count. Julia comes back with splashes in the corner, a snap mirror, a lariat to the back of the head before trying to put on the heartless, but Willow is able to overpower her. Willow murders Julia with the pounce, and they fight on the outside as Julia moves out of the way, and Willow crashes into the steel steps while trying to hit a cannonball. Julia sends Willow back inside and teases the moonsault, but Willow stops her and hits a full Nelson slam for a two count. Willow tries to doctor bomb, but Julia escapes. She lands right on her butt, hits another lariat, followed by the top roll moonsault. This one is not pretty as she's been doing usual. Um, it, it was a little bit awkward on the landing. It might have been the camera angle. I'm not sure why they kind of switched in, in mid-move. It kind of made the move look a little awkward, but it could have just been just me. But she does get the win here at 11 minutes and 57 seconds uh, to be the first entrant in this three-way match for the TBS Championship. Um, I actually like this match. It's actually pretty good here, uh, Willow and Julia. These two styles definitely worked with each other, with Willow obviously being the more powerful one here, and Julia kind of having to escape and get out of the moves to to uh, to get the win here, and she definitely did. So I'm just going to predict that Sky Blue is going to get the win over Red Velvet, so I think that's going to be the, the triple threat match. I think it's kind of obvious to have Julia and Sky Blue, and then we don't know if it's going to be them on the same side, if it's them possibly, like, you know, working together or kind of, like, not working together, but I'm sure that's the story going into this, is this whole Sky Blue and Julia Hart. Lexi Nair is with Big Bill and Ricky Starks and asks how she feels about or how, how they feel about all these teams gunning for their titles. They start saying how they don't want to be bothered with any of them. Big Bill tells them to stay away from them. They don't want to see them. They, want to, they don't want to hear from them, especially when they're at catering. And then Lexi breaks the news to them that they are indeed facing all three teams at full gear. And they show a graphic that Big Bill and Ricky Starks will defend the AEW Tag Team Championships against FTR, the Kings of the Black Throne, and Drillistical and Roosh of LFI. Powerhouse Hobbs comes out uh, against an enhancement talent that doesn't even get a name. I uh, was able to identify him as Titus Alexander because luckily he has his name on his tights. Paul White joins commentary for this match as Hobbs just destroys Titus here in the corner and tells White to pay attention as this is how he used to be. Hobbs stops him with a spine buster, followed by the world's greatest slam to get the pen at 57 seconds. Don Callis then gets on the mic and says Don Callis family is the best wrestling, the best family in wrestling. Bigger than the Briscoes, bigger than the Gagne's, bigger than the Von Eriks, and bigger than the Hearts. Callis brings up how Hobbs destroyed Jericho so bad, he had to go call Paul White up. He calls White an idiot for facing off against his family and says it's not too late to change his mind, and says that they both know what Jericho really is, a narcissistic psychopath, and he will use White just like he used him. Callis then gets in White's face and calls him a scared giant, but it's okay to be scared of him because he runs things here. Callis talks about burying two giants in his career, and he will have Hobbs bury a third one. And then Hobbs kind of gets in his face. White gets up. They kind of start pushing the announce table against each other. Um, and that pretty much ends this segment as they are getting ready for the, uh, let's see if I can remember it. The Like a Dragon, Gaiden, the man who erased his name, Street Fight. I'm pretty sure that's the name of the title. I, I, when I wrote my report for Dynamite, I wrote that title as a joke, uh, thinking they weren't going to ever use a full title, but they actually uh, are using that in the graphics. So kind of uh, gives me like, gives me thoughts of the, uh, what was it? The Three Kings, $300,000 Battle Royal, whatever that was called. Yeah, they they kind of have to uh, stop with these long names here. Lexi is backstage with FTR and says that they've been on a roll lately, and FTR starts hyping up themselves and says their focus is to become the AEW Tag Team Champions once again. And it doesn't matter who's in this match, as their road to becoming champions again starts now. We go to the final match here, the main event, Lance Archer and The Righteous versus Darby Allen, Sting, and Adam Copeland. Now, going into the show, I did look at the results after the fact to kind of see, like, the placement, because I know a lot of times when they tape shows, they like to kind of mess around with the placement of the matches. Like, for example, whenever they go into Ring of Honor tapings, they usually do the, they tape the main event first, just kind of get the crowd to stay there. Like, this past week, they had Eddie kicks in and Helico, but then they'll, they'll air it after the event as it makes more sense. So it's a similar thing here as this match was actually taped earlier on in the show, but they actually aired it as the main event. And they also had another match with Claudio Castagnoli and Toa Leona that I guess that was only for the crowd because they didn't show that on this show. Uh, Adam Copeland and Dutch start the match with Copeland getting the upper hand as Vincent and Darby quickly tag in. Vincent headbutts Darby and tags out to Lance Archer. Darby slaps himself off of Archer and backs up into Sting who tags himself in to Darby's surprise. Archer and Sting start having a woo-off, which I'm pretty sure made Archer giddy as a child inside. Sting takes out the Righteous on the apron before ch- clotheslining Archer to the outside as they head to picture-in-picture. Picture. Um, and I can see a little bit in the picture-in-picture picture, kind of Sting and Archer taking into the ringside for a little bit. 
When we come back, Vincent is on the attack now on Sting back in the ring, and the heels are keeping Sting in their corner as they all take turns hitting Sting with splashes. Sting is able to fight them off and eventually make the tag to Darby, who right away knocks Vincent down with a shotgun dropkick and hits splashes in the corner. Darby tries to fight all three off, but Big Big Dutch stops him with the clothesline on a cold red attempt as they go to picture-in-picture again. And when we come back, just in time to see Archer tossing Darby to the other side of the ring, just like he was a toy. Copeland gets the hot tag and goes to town on the righteous as well as spearing Archer off the apron. He follows this by sending Vincent and Dutch uh, before diving onto all three of them. I'm surprised that uh, Copeland hit this move, but definitely looked pretty good here. Vincent sends Vince, uh, Copeland sends Vincent back inside and sets up for another spear, but Archer trips him up. Darby takes Archer on the outside with a coffin drop as Dutch hits a boss man slam on Copeland. And then Sting fights off the righteous, including a scorpion death drop flying elbow combo from Copeland to Dutch. Stinger splash to Vincent, followed by the spear from Copeland to get the pin at 16 minutes and 21 seconds. And as they're celebrating, Christian, Luchasaurus, and Nick Wayne make their way to the uh the ramp here as nigel kind of mocks tony shivani's sting by saying christian's name here so um yeah good match to start to uh, end the show here it is actually copeland's second match in AEW and first match on collision here but obviously keep the trio strong here as they go into full gear this post wrestling podcast is brought to you by nerd wallet's smart money podcast financial literacy can be daunting but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with on nerd wallet's smart money podcast Their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Um, at this point, we're going to go to calls and we got a bunch of people here waiting. Uh, so if you have any thoughts at all or any comments on tonight's collision or rampage or anything else you saw this week, now is the time. And we are going to start with the first caller here. We have Rob. Rob, welcome to Collision Course. Hello. Good to be here. Great review. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm very tired. I'm I'm from the UK. I'm very have a mild cold and on a Saturday night I'd usually be out but I'm not and uh, thought why not I watched some collision I'm grateful for it I thought it was a decent show I really enjoyed the uh, Willow Julia Hart match I thought Julia Hart she's what 21 something ridiculous she just, like that. she just turned 22 she just turned 22 <laughs> 22 I take that back 22 should be better by now <laughs> I'm joking she's fantastic uh, Willow who doesn't love Willow and I thought I was a little d- disappointed to see that Willow was not going to be part of this TBS title match at the pay-per-view it's going to be a three-way as opposed to a four-way what do you think about that as four-way I feel like Willow Willow yeah especially the way like they were hyping her like they kept showing her in the back she was kind of like getting into it and kind of like just like getting really amped up into it getting to this match then she ended up losing it but with the storyline that's going on with her kind of being like in the middle of like Julia Har and Chris and even Sky Blue here, you would think she would have been involved in this match. And yeah, I'm I totally agree with you. I think a four way would have made more sense um, for this championship. It was actually funny when they went to the back and like I think Skyland even forgot what title she had for a second because <laughs> I don't know if you caught it, but she was kind of like, "You can challenge me for." Uh, this like she forgot like what to to name it so but, but it's like this is an edited show so if you have like little slip-ups like this i'm sorry it's a tape show so if you have little slip-ups like this and even like the nigel line that some people might have found offensive who knows um they could have definitely edited it out but i feel like they just aired it as is um but yeah i totally agree with you i think Rulo definitely should have been in this match yes yes and i i sorry, maybe with chris the her delivery is somewhat because of the best friends kind of humor it's a bit kind of stunted like i am right now so it's kind of charming sometimes but yeah sometimes it's like did they could they have done another take maybe i don't know maybe i don't know what they were going for but um i saw adam copeland second match i'm still yep just like you still used to calling him edge but um he looks like he's having fun that's good that kind of comes through like he's very <laughs> the way he gets the crowd <laughs> just <laughs> i love that it's just a one-on-one one baby face stuff but it's it's adam copeland he's really good i was gonna say sorry um, regarding to the women's match uh this is the, i believe since double or nothing this will be the first time they've had two women's matches on the main card from what i could tell Ooh. basically since jade has dropped the title i guess you can say there's three on double or nothing because jade had that impromptu match with chris statlander but i don't know don't want to get too geeky but i thought that's kind of feel like there's been a, a slight 
on pay-per-views at least ever since Jade has uh, dropped the title there's been a, a slight decrease on the already not very well represented women's division on pay-per-views but oh well but um, yeah and also my favorite match of the night I have to be uh, the workhorseman against uh, LFI oh just Jenny Drake he's a man of my own heart I wish I could bowl as half as good as he could wrestle which is like half as good as he can bowl or good double he's a very good bowler is what I mean to say but uh, Roosh is just he petrifies me <laughs> He's so intense. The way he just, he's the, when they had a firing up spot, him and JD Drake and JD's just chopping him and Roosh is like, come on. And it's that fire up baby face thing, but it's Roosh. He's not a baby face. He's, he's just terrifying. And he just, I feel like maybe one problem he might have is uh, he's not the best at um, selling, like prolonged selling afterwards, but, but it's Roosh. I don't know if you want that of Roosh. But yeah, it's good to see um, Work Horseman on TV, uh, LFI, the renewed push they're getting since uh, coming back to TV, and the four-way tag that they're going to be in. Do you have any idea how that's going to go? Because that seems, it could be a lot of fun, also a mess. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they tend to do like these multi, especially tag matches on these pay-per-views. And yeah, this is a really interesting match because you have like LFI who just like returned, right? You have FTR who's trying to build to their next championship. You have Bill and, and uh, Starks who just won the title. And then you have... Um, the Kings of the Black Throne, who are trying to establish themselves as a tag team now, stepping away from the trio. So yeah, definitely a lot of ways you can go with this one. Um, I, I honestly could see Big Bill and, and Ricky Starks dropping the titles because I feel like they, I don't something about them doesn't they don't feel like a tag team to me, and I feel yeah. like they're they're facing off against three like legit tag teams, I guess you can say. So I could definitely see them dropping the titles. I just don't know to who. I, I can't see FTR grabbing it back. I honestly, I probably would put it on um, the Kings of the Black Throne. If you're going to make them a tag team, make them a serious tag team, actually put the titles on them. And uh, like Kate had mentioned earlier, put Buddy and this Continental Classic. Uh, yeah, we didn't get your thoughts on the Continental Classic. What do you? What are your thoughts on this like 12-man round-robin style? Is this something that you wanted in AEW to try at least? Oh yeah, this is um, if Tony Khan said before the show on Twitter, important announcement, I'd be like... <laughs> But this this was definitely what I wanted. Um, as someone who got into New Japan, like many other people, through the Kenny Omega Kazuchika Okada match in Wrestle Kingdom 2017, this New Japan influence on American televised wrestling is just I love it. I can't get enough of it. I'm, I'm actually staying up another hour to watch DDT because that's how much I'm ill too. And it's a Saturday night. And there's nothing else to do. It's 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 strange Saturday yeah, night. It's and, Sunday and, morning. And, and, and looking at your name there, you're an exhausted British person and you're just going to stay up to watch to watch a DDT. I actually, I, I was very happy that they actually did reference this match uh, on Rampage, which I know like John and Way were like questioning, you know, they haven't even pushed this match and they did have like a last minute um, push for it. But the only thing is like, it was very bare bones. Like they didn't even tell you like where they're wrestling. Like they just said in Tokyo, they didn't say what yeah. promotion, they didn't say how to watch it. They just said Jericho and, and Takeshita uh, are fighting uh, on, on Sunday in Tokyo. <laughs> so I guess that's just enough to, enough breadcrumbs to kind of, like okay now you can kind of google and figure it out on your own but i'm actually surprised that they they gave us something um so i am very happy for that but yeah i won't be staying up to watch that but i definitely am looking forward to that as it like as stated it is an aw storyline that just happens to be happening in a different promotion in a different country um but it's definitely very important to to aw for sure um yeah as far as the content of the classic goes like I'm, I'm i'm hoping we get like names that don't really get too much tv time um that get a chance to kind of wrestle that no you know like that, are good wrestlers because they have a lot of good wrestlers obviously but i want to see like you know swear strickland i want to see like daniel garcia i want to see like a, a buddy buddy matthews i want to see like these guys that can take and go with it that i would love to see in a g1 just do it here um stateside for aew mm-hmm. but yeah we Rob, could get uh, the, the chase owens of age aew could show up because <laughs> new japan g1s are a bit i know everyone's in they need tag wrestlers and all that kind of stuff at wh park i know he's not a fan of that at all um from what i hear on the reviews but um yeah it looks it's 12 people but it did say in um I don't know if it was on the broadcast, but uh, Tony Khan said top wrestlers, which is okay. subjective. So um, hopefully, I, I would like to see that. I would like to see some more, because that, that roster is so huge, and there's so many underutilized talents on that roster, and you really it's a real pick. I mean, you can make it 12 men. That's, it should be 18. <laughs> give me more. Give me 25. I know it's an odd number, but why not? Gotcha. Um, thank you so much for your thoughts, Rob, and please call back. Uh, call us next week and let us know what you thought of this uh, this jericho Takeshita match. Oh, I will. I will. Hopefully I won't be too bleary-eyed by then. But yeah, thank you. Thank you, John. And hope Kay has a better day tomorrow than she did today. Yes. Get some rest, Rob. Get some rest for all of us. Maybe. (laughs) We go next up, regular caller of the show here. Hansi from Beverly Hills. What's going on, Hansi? (laughs) Beverly Hills. uh... No, I, yo, uh, I was I was gonna I was gonna actually I I was like doing stuff, but I was gonna actually come to the chat earlier and like try to like at least help with the co-hosting duties. But yeah, you know, I just listen, man. With the code, you can't win them all. But you guys, like you did, like like for like, like for someone that like had to like deal with all the technical difficulties, bro. 
you like you know you're championing them pretty good like you're like dealing with it so pies up on the back man pull up Barry Horowitz you know um no but uh no uh, first one of the things that like I always dislike about Bush is like if like if it's a if it's an important match I understand if it's like a showcasing match like but I found they did a better job in this episode that one thing I hate is that like if you can finish your opponent with your finishing move. I don't get why he always fakes out because it's like, dude, you can finish him right there. You know what I mean? So at least in this case, somebody pulled him out before he actually attempted to do it. Cause I always get sick of uh, like him faking out. And then like, just like, you know, like, like you could just finish the guy and it, and it normally ends up costing him the match eventually. So that that's why I always dislike about Roosh matches, even though I love his intensity. Would you agree? No, for sure. It definitely like to me, it, it's a little difficult to like to consider him a baby face to me because the way he just comes off, it's always like heel to me. So it takes a little bit. It's going to take a little bit getting used to to actually see him like in a baby face role. But I agree with you. I think sometimes he does try to a little too much with the like, like the faking with the with the, with the bull's horns thing. Yeah, he does do a little bit too much to the point where like his his competitors have to kind of catch on to that and kind of be able to stop it at this point. He does it so much. Well, no, the other thing that I did appreciate is that when he was doing the Tranquilo pose, mm-hmm. he got out of it pretty quickly because Anthony Henry was going to dive on him. So I kind of, like, if you're if you're going to have your guys, like, kind of show off during the matches, at least show that it backfired. Because, like, one of the things that I like about Julia Hart's matches, I really like how they continuously let her get the body trip. And in this, in this match... Uh, like they've already got you used to her body tripping everyone successfully. That Willow actually countered the body trip, and I, I get, I, I don't know why I pop for that, but it's a small thing, I guess, because in wrestling, um, like people have done it, and people just dump over somebody, right? So I always appreciate like just small things like that. You know what I mean? So I appreciate Julia's character, and as much as I've given the women's division booking shit, I'll say that at least that they're putting the Statlander match. And the and the women's match on on uh, the women's title match on the on the cards at least. I hope it isn't like a kickoff match. It because with, with the build that Willow and you know uh, Willow Julia Sky Blue and all of them have done with this limited time they've gotten, I think they've earned a spot where it's supposed to be on the main card. Would you agree? I I'm pretty confident it's gonna be on the main card. The only kickoff match that they made official was the MJF and uh, Mystery Partner against the Guns. Everything else, as far as I saw, has been announced on the on the main card so hopefully it stays that way um but yeah i know you called in last night to uh rewind the smackdown with some like theories with this devil mask here uh could be cm punk could it be cj perry's brother jack who knows who it could be like just so many different options but um did, ha, has anything changed in the last 24 hours to kind of give you any any other ideas or any like solidified thoughts going into this devil's mask the, 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 the thing is like, I, i'm 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 wondering if like i have to because what like what makes it different for me difficult for me is how are these beatdowns any different than other beatdowns right so like it's all convoluted a little bit but if they have a good end result for it, like like people will listen, no matter what, people will, will be disappointed if it if it's Jack Perry. I personally wouldn't mind if it's Jack Perry. Like you know what I mean? Like if he's the one that's leading Roddy and the Kingdom, and maybe you know what I mean? Because they're making it a little too obvious that it might be Cole. That like I don't believe that it could be Cole. And then if it's MJF somehow trying to make himself look like a victim in all this, you know what I mean? Like that. Like to me, I figure. I, they, one thing I figure. Is that since they targeted Jay White, I think like part of me wonders if like the Bullet Club are kind of in on it as well, like in the sense that maybe switching playing so, do, do you mean Bullet Club Gold or like the Bullet Club? Like well, Japan, well, I'm saying Bullet Club. Like if if the other if Juice Robinson and the Guns are with whoever this masked man is, then to me it's not only against MJF, but they're also trying to get rid. Of uh, of Switchblade as the leader, which like then ties in. Could it be like you know, like the Bullet Club as a whole? Like you know, what I mean, like like I, I what, what what would make this more interesting is that like if they took my idea about the Q shit, like where they started doing all the goofy stuff and they made it a web exclusive thing, like a TMZ level thing, and they had like QTV reporters and doing segments where you're breaking down these mysteries and all that kind of stuff. Like, so, so you don't waste television time doing it. At least if it catches traction online. That's one thing that I think is missing from this is that th- there needs to be more analysis from people in the company in the storyline of who they think it is breaking it down, like to make it seem like it's a mystery. Because it's only us just making a big deal about it where we 
then we'll get disappointed by it, right? Like, is there anybody, like, like, like for example, if MJF is revealed as being the devil and somehow some convoluted way, I think that would be more on the turn of the of the thing of Mr. McMahon revealing that it's me, the high, higher power. So would you see, like, like who would be the most disappointing, like, result for you if, if you had to choose? Probably CM Punk, honestly. Because <laughs> if, if, if we find out this entire time we've been worse, I think that would be the biggest disappointment. Don't get me wrong, I'd still be like, intrigued and I'll still watch every week, but I would be like, really extremely, I'd have so many more questions um, coming out of it. I'd be like, what happened? You know, did he? Did he ever? Did he actually get fired? Did he come back? Like, did have, I had so many questions coming out of it. Um, but at least it would get the world talking, right? So that's that's the one positive about it. But I, I would be disappointed with that. I don't want someone like a Jack Perry, like push this guy. You know, like he has a lot of momentum coming out of this, this whole real life ordeal. Why not put him in a spotlight like that? No, I, I wouldn't mind that. Here, here's another interesting thing. Let, let's say, for example, it's somehow MGF concocted a convoluted plan. Right? What would be what would be interesting about that? is that we think Wardlow is the bad guy targeting MJF, but if MJF reveals himself as being the devil, it would automatically put Wardlow in the position of being the babyface that now you want to see MJF get his ass kicked, base. If they do go that route. But the thing is, they do have to do some really, like, like really good explanation of why MJF... Because part of me also thinks that, like, it might be a pinnacle reunion... But without MJF as like as the leader, maybe. But like I don't know. Like it, it's it's interesting though. But like you know what I mean. Like to me, it's like uh uh you know it's it's more like on the line of like like h- how they execute it. So like, do you see this playing it at full gear? Because the way I envisioned it is like if M- if they're teasing MJF's like maybe last appearance before his contract ends. I envision that like if let's say he doesn't resign or I don't know if he did resign, but if they, he didn't resign. I feel like the world end might be like a finale pay-per-view of like, like taking the title off him and in a legendary way, having an exile from the company, if that's the way they go. And I, cause again, it, it, the way that it's being hyped up in that regard, you know what I mean? But I'll get your thoughts on that and I'll just take off then. Yeah, no, I, I pretty much like agree. Um, I honestly think this whole devil's math thing is going to culminate at devils at the, the world's end pay-per-view. I feel like that's going to be like the reveal of this whole thing. I don't think we're going to get like an answer as soon as full gear. That would be too, too early. Like we just had our second attack. Then what we're going to find out in a week after, like, I, I think we should wait on it. And world's end is, is only next month. So I feel like they can go like another month and a half um, with this storyline. And then, yeah, you kind of playing like what you said with the real life MJF contract situation as well. Okay, and, and, and one final thing. Um, sure. I, I, I found the collision, like, not... I mean, the taped episode, I didn't think it was, like, all that great. But I'll say one thing, though. I am I think Roddy's, Roddy's segments are ten times more entertaining when he's uh, in the in the ringside area, more so than the, than the, than the, yeah, the, um, the backstage area. Okay. I, I just like his whole James Brown falling over after <laughs> doing it. I think this is, like, honestly, his best character work that he's ever done in his career. And it's, it's a shame it took him this long to, like, finally figure it out. Because he's always, he's always been one of my favorite in-ring competitors. Or whatever. Like, he's always been that solid. But he just never had the acting chops. And I think this set, this thing has, like, as much as, like, I hate the sports entertainment aspect of it, I think this has like kind of re, re, uh, revolutionized uh, Roddy Strong, basically. But I'll, I'll take your I'll take a comment on the air. You know, but you know, thanks for um, you know, taking my call, bro. I like chatting with you, man. And thanks for chatting with me for a couple of minutes before me just kind of just leaving, basically. You know what I mean? No, for sure. No, and Hansi, I have a recommendation before you go. I know you're into podcasting. There's a new podcast I started listening to called. Uh, it's based on ODB's uh, life. It's called Unique Asan. I actually have clips of him like on the Howard Stern show. So a lot of things pretty interesting that you might uh, want to check out. But yeah, check what, it out. ODB Asan uh, Unique it, is the name of the podcast. Is, is it is it by his son? No, so it's it's somebody who was close to him that he that he grew up with. It's people that have actually like were around him that worked on it. So that's why I gave it a chance. I think you'll you'll definitely appreciate it. I, you'll, you'll, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm a huge hip hop fan. I do listen to What Up Doe on the on the Poison Runner podcast. Thank I you. enjoy what you guys do on there. So I always enjoy your hip hop takes and all that kind of stuff there, man. So I appreciate it, man. Peace out. Thank you. Take care, Ozzy. We go next up to Brian. Brian, how's it going tonight? Oh, I'm doing all right, John. Uh, thanks a lot for the review. And if uh, Kate is listening back to this, I hope she's doing well uh, as well. Uh, pretty fun collision, I thought. Good action. Julia Hart is really coming a long way. Um, I thought Nick Wayne versus Dalton Castle was oddly boring most part until the closing minute. Again, it's odd given these two, but whatever. Uh, main event I thought was pretty fun for the sake of this crowd watching Sting Copeland live. I thought Sting had kind of a rough night, but I'm forgiving. Um, and they're really loading up full gear, which is great. 
and this Continental Classic sounds great. Um, I, I hope Danielson is okay, obviously, but just because this tournament starts on November 22nd doesn't mean he has to wrestle on November 22nd. Yeah, I was and, actually thinking uh, the same thing. Like, he can he can wait till a little bit longer till he actually has his first match. Yeah, I was thinking, that, I was like, well, he's not going to be ready by the 22nd, but then, yeah, I thought the same exact thing where he can actually wait till yeah. the later rounds. Yeah, and hopefully work with guys that, you know, he said he was like using like magic tricks or whatever, certain trickery, smoke and mirrors in his early matches come back from his uh, arm injury. So he's something similar here. And uh, tack on to the Roderick Strong ta- talk. Uh, he has this, I don't know if you notice this, he has this shitty mustache now. And yes. combined, yeah, combined with his haircut, he looks like a character out of Reno 911 or mm, okay. pretty funny. Yeah, just a real piece of trash. But yeah, his character work has been really fun. Yeah, one of like um, the one of the bright spots coming out of like the whole NXT 2.0 era was like some of Roddy's like comedy that he was doing back backstage. Um, and I, you could definitely see like that like to the tenth degree here in AEW that they're finally giving him like the full reign to do whatever. But yeah, Roddy's a funny guy, man. Like whenever he's when he's in a, in a, in a neck brace or a wheelchair, no matter what company he's in, I feel like he's just comedy gold. I don't remember him being as funny as part of Diamond Mind as he is here. Oh yeah, but. uh uh, but uh, some, uh, something I wanted to bring up last night with John Way, but I forgot to, so I'll bring it up here on this sure. more AEW-centric show, uh, The Like a Dragon Street Fight. So, not sure if you're familiar with this series. The Like a Dragon game series was originally the Yakuza series for taking on this name change three years ago. And a couple of these Yakuza games in the past have featured New Japan wrestlers as characters in the game. They're, I think it was Yakuza 6 had the likes of Okada and Tanahashi and Naito as gang bosses. Uh, I believe one of the, a remake of one of the earlier games may have had older names. So there's definitely precedence of this game series and pro wrestling being intertwined. So it's, it seems like, oh, it's kind of odd that uh, you had this game sponsorship so heavily in it and like on the apron during Dynamite. But then I think back to this, and it's like, okay, no, it actually makes a little sense. Yeah, and obviously so, Kenny Omega is probably a big fan of the series as well, so I'm sure he was pushing forward as well. Yeah, no doubt. He's huge in that department. But, uh, yeah, and uh, nothing nothing really – I can't really think of anything different that would be good ideas for who the devil is outside of Jack Perry, who – it was actually like the forum, the post-wrestling forum, where I first saw the ideas. People were talking about that. But, again, like, seems like – a really big role for a guy coming off a of suspension, <laughs> and but it, it makes sense in some respects. Um, but yeah, I can't really think of anyone good. I was thinking just like out of the blue, like supposedly EJ and Duke is under contract, but he doesn't make sense. For, uh, I mean, he could be like one of the, the the guys, like one of the muscles in the back. Because I mean, if you remember, yeah. like when they did it last time, they had the whole firm came out of this, right? And unfortunately, that yes. didn't work out with everything that happened. But you had some people there that were hopefully going to get a push out of it, like Lee Moriarty and Ethan Page and Big Bill. Um, so maybe yep. they're going to try to attempt that again this time. And like, I, I, I'm a big fan of EJ and Duke, so I'd be, I'd be okay with him being part of this uh, this group if they have a strong leader in front of them, obviously. Yeah, that makes sense for the subordinates, because we talked about the devil, but not the subordinates. But it makes sense for them to be newer people or under-pushed people, like, you know, the Cole Carters of the world, if if you catch my drift. So, but yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure if it'd be Cole Carter, but whatever. Yeah, but you know that's all I got, and uh, you know, enjoy the rest of your weekend. You know, cool. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for calling. I'll wait for you next week. And it looks like our last caller of the day is Muggin. What's going on, Muggin? So, man. First of all, no spoilers. No Marvel spoilers. <laughs> I'm, I'm trust, seeing. Trust me, I'm seeing, I'm going to see that for MCU later because that's going to cool. be in a, that's going to be a week from tomorrow. Because I spoke to Rich. I uh, he said he's going to be he's going to be he and WH are going to record uh, the Marvels podcast, Marvels uh, MCU later separately from uh, tomorrow's uh, schedule with Loki Loki finale. So I'm going to see my thoughts to that. So trust trust me. By the time by the time you've seen it, by the time you see it, you're going to hear the podcast. So I'm going to I'm going to let everything. I'm going to let all the cats out of the bag. Good. So since we didn't get a, you saw the movie yesterday, you obviously didn't get a chance to call yep. into to rewind the SmackDown. So first of all, I want to take your, your thoughts on this new and improved uh, damage control. What do you think of this five-woman tandem? I feel foolish. You feel foolish? Because, because I, okay, because with Kyrosane being back in the picture, I thought maybe there was going to be some sort of reckoning. Okay. I, guess I, I, yeah. I, guess, I guess I guess I didn't get that. So maybe not yet. Maybe, they, maybe they're, waiting, they're waiting for it. You know, maybe it's not, it's, it's not, they're not, they're not ready for that just yet. Well, I mean, I, I don't want I don't want it to drag on for months because I mean I, I because I like to think maybe the, the, I like to think maybe that 
the other shoe is going to drop their war games because I mean, I mean, I, cause I'm, I'm not buying Kyrie, like, you know, like sweeping what happened three years ago into the rug. Cause I don't want to like my intelligence to be insulted. So, but here's the thing. The, the one key takeaway from the, from that is, you know, Bailey is due for a baby, baby phase reset. Cause I feel like, you know, it's been four years and she needs a new coat of paint. Mm. And not with that, he was being, he was being, sorry. I was gonna, um, okay, so, so you think coming out of this, she Bailey could be the baby face going against yes. like a heel, a heel damage control? Okay. Yeah, because a it's been four years, and B Bianca has been Oscar. She's been she's been Bianca, and she's been Charlotte separately and in a multi person match. So I mean, I feel like you know she needs she like you needs a new you needs a new opponent, and um, all four of them, like, all four from turning on Bailey is the way to go. And you know, I because let's be honest, I mean, there's very there's very little left for Bailey to do as a heel. And with the, and with Roman and with Roman Reigns, you know, skipping Survivor Series, like they're like they're becoming the A storyline for SmackDown. Were you able to catch uh, Collision tonight? Any thoughts on tonight's show? Uh, no, I no, I wasn't. I didn't, I didn't watch Collision because I'm I'm trying to finish Raising the Lost Demon because I rented that from the library and I'm, and mm. I have a week left to finish it. Gotcha. And, um, but what I did get what I did get from it is like I'm, I'm glad Swerve and Hangman Two is going to be a Texas Death Match because that to me is. That to me is like driving home that this is Heyman's style of Heyman's, you know, signature match because he hasn't lost that one from Archer to Cole and to Moxley. And I feel like he's going to like, you know, keep the streak going by being Swerve. Mm, I didn't even and, think about and, that. Yeah. That's, that's it'll a, protect him. It'll protect Swerve too from game, from taking the pinfall because, you know, pinfall isn't the only way to win this match because it's, no, it's, 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 it's a, it's a no disqualification, last man standing, that type of, you know, it's in that vein. And, um, with, uh, now AEW is doing a G, their own version of G1 after NXT did theirs. And um, they got, they have like, they're going to give me an excuse to watch Rampage because I feel like they need to spread it out across, you know, all three, you know, Dynamite, Rampage, and Collision. They need yeah. to spread that out. I actually, I was trying to find the graphic because I feel like they, they only, unless I'm wrong, I feel like they only highlighted Collision. And uh, I'm actually looking right now. Oh, no, Rampage is on here. Okay. So that's good. All three shows are being used here with Dynamite, Rampage, and Collision. So that's good. So at least, yeah, it'll give us some people to actually have reasoning to, tune in a rampage to watch like a specific match in the tournament they might look forward to so yeah it's a it's a very good point but yeah are you a fan of this whole concept and, and who would you like to see personally be in this tournament ethan page mm, okay ethan page is one guy because you know they because you know totocon mentioned canada and i think mm. ethan page would be a good would be a good uh he would be a good choice to be in that one so good. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Ethan Page. Like when he, when he when he left the North and Impact, and he went to AEW, I expected like really really big things from him. I'm not saying that he's like failed, but like I f- expected a lot more from him. And then I liked his team with him and Scorpio Sky when they were the men of the year. And then that kind of just ended, and Scorpio got hurt, and now they're kind of both like both stuck in Ring of Honor. And he's doing the storyline now, Ethan Page, where he's like on a losing streak because of Tony Nese and Josh Wood. So it's like I feel I don't know, I feel like Ethan Page could be doing a lot more. Um, than the this feud with Tony Nese on Ring of Honor, so yeah, I'd, I'd be totally okay with a, with an Ethan Page uh, being in this. How about somebody like a like a Danhausen, somebody who like we might not have seen wrestle too much, but this is a good opportunity for him to kind of show out. Yeah, it's and of course it's been a while for since Danhausen has been on TV and he's seen, because from what I understand he he had surgery. Yeah, so they they hyped up his return like going into Halloween. They had all these like vignettes with this you know Happy Halloween song, and then like they never really said when he was going to show up. And then on, I think it was Rampage last week. He just randomly like walked in the back and was like, I think hit with RJ City, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm not ready to return yet." And he just like left. <laughs> we haven't seen him since, so I I don't know if like he wasn't cleared to come back yet, or they're just messing with our minds. Maybe he's the devil. Maybe Danhausen is, is uh the devil housing. Maybe I I would think I would think you know Jack Perry would be the one behind the mask because I remember I mean it goes back to a promo we were him and MJF saying. Like you're too much of a good guy. I mean, you like you need to cut some corners. You need to be you need to get dirty. So I feel like you know that it's likely to him. And speaking of you know, speaking of the Burberry one, um, I'm I'm. It's less and less likely that you know. I take back what I said, but Roger Strong being uh, being co-tag champions with uh, with MJF because I feel like you know MJF is running out of friends right now. So I think I feel like he needs. To, he feel like he needs to give some more Joe reason to some more Joe reasons to you know to have his back and in turn. Being tag champions with him will basically give him a world title rematch because I, I feel like that's the way to go. I think that's I think that's the idea. He's he's yeah. gonna help him out, you know, scratch my back, I scratch yours type of thing, and he's gonna help yep. him win the t- you know retain the titles, and then you know he just got rid of a Ring of Honor title, so he's gonna get another Ring of Honor title just to get to the AEW title. Maybe you know some things you just have to do, right? Yeah. And lastly, but I think so. Impact Impact has some good matches this week. It's a little, it's a little odd with their scheduling because I mean, because I, I thought those uh, Battle Royale shows were going to come right after, but they did like the they did the one in England, 
They did two English shows, the one including Turning Point. And uh, Shelley and Gresham was excellent. Yeah, I haven't checked it out yet, but I heard it was really good. And I am looking forward to to next week as well. I know Osprey and Alexander, I heard, got a, a little bit of praise. So I'm looking forward to that match. But yeah, the tape schedule was a little bit odd with them kind of yeah. showing some of their shows out of order. But, uh, you know, the final days of Impact before we get the, the rebirth of TNA in uh, just a couple of months. But yeah, and I've been in, highly enjoying Impact for sure. And uh, did, you, did you see the picture of uh, of uh, Killer Kelly and uh, Rhea Ripley? Yes. It's been hot. Yeah. <laughs> So I think there's some there's some convention going on. I think in in New York, if I'm not mistaken. So a lot of wrestlers from all different companies are kind of like taking pictures together today. So I did see that picture, and I I was like, oh look at that! They both had their titles, so that was that was a pretty cool moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Killer Kelly tweeted Daddy and Mommy, and I was like, beat the parents. (laughs) I like that. I like. And uh, what else? Um, What else? Uh, Yeah. Speaking of Impact, uh, Tasha Steele's Neon Browser was also very good, and. um, yeah, of course. You know, Shelly Gresham is excellent, and um, I'm also looking forward to you know, uh, you know, a- you know, Osprey and Alexander. And speaking of Ale- speaking of the North, who would have thought that Josh Alexander would be the more successful out of the two? I know. I-, I I say that all the time. I'm like, like honestly, would not have thought that. But yeah, here we are. Where Alexander is, you know, world champion. Um, you know, former world champion reign while Ethan Page is kind of uh, just feuding with uh Josh Woods. So and a- yeah, and a couple more things. Um, yeah. a couple more things about Alexander. A couple more things. Um, man, Final Resolution has a has a big tag match between the Guns. Alexander and Zack Sabre Jr. Oh, Zack Zach Sabre's first uh, match in Impact. So that, that kind of came out of left field. I didn't expect that to happen. But yeah, Impact's slowly making a lot of noise. You know, having Osprey and uh, Zack Sabre on their shows, they're definitely trying to get some attention as they go into this rebrand. Yeah. All right. I got to go, man. Yeah, Food's absolutely. Ready. Thank you, Muggin, and call again next week. Thank you. We will go to one piece of feedback we have here from Andrew from Cape Breton, who says, so quick update from last week. The cat did come around, and she's back to being more affectionate. It just took a little longer. So this might be an unpopular view, but I hope Menard and Parker don't turn on Daniel Garcia. The story seems to be going in the direction of a turn, but I actually like the idea of Menard and Parker being hard on Garcia because they want him to succeed. They see a slump, and while we he may have been used by Jericho in the past, they're not using him. They actually care. I was also excited to hear about the Continental Classic. Apparently, it will be two groups of six, which I'm slightly disappointed in, as I was hoping for one large group so we can get more first-time matches. The G1 and Bound for Glory series in 2012 turned me on to this style of tournament, as I'm also glad Tony didn't do the big announcement hype beforehand. This seems like Tony is learning, as I consider this a big announcement that didn't need hype. The show was fine tonight, but with how cold AEW is, I don't expect the ratings to be above Rampages again this week. The talk of Punk being talked into being under the Devil Mask won't happen, but I do think... It could be a shot in the arm that the company desperately needs. If not him, hopefully it's Adam Cole to continue that story. Yeah, definitely an interesting time here with all. Everybody loves a good mystery angle in wrestling, right? A whodunit. Um, hopefully it'll make sense at the end. That's all I, I hope for is that it'll actually make sense where it's not just like, how is he revealed as the person? So like if, for example, if it's like Dolph Ziggler or something, it's like, well, he wasn't in the company. He wasn't allowed to be. So hopefully it won't be a, a, a Nick Nemeth. Um, but thank you for everybody for showing uh, for coming in here tonight. Um, sorry again for all the technical difficulties. Uh, hopefully I was able to, to do a, a, a good enough job for you guys here that we're able to watch live on, uh, all our social media, YouTube, Facebook, X, Twitter, as well as anybody who listened after the fact, um, ha- uh, like he had alluded next week, we are going to be on a Friday because we have a live collision on a Friday night as full gear is on Saturday. And since they are airing rampage right after, um, collision we will be reviewing that as well so we figured that's the last the go go home show before full gear is technically rampage so we might as well talk about that as well so yeah next week you'll be able to catch us here um, on collision course if you want to hear more from me uh like hansi said what up though that's the show that i do with b detroit uh we would talk about all types pop, all things pop culture whether it be music movies video games uh whatever happens in life uh we both talked about spider-man 2 in our latest episode uh it was right in the beginning so we didn't really go into too much spoilers but the next episode that will happen later on this month will definitely be going into uh all types of easter eggs and uh side missions and the main story of a spider-man 2 that's going to be on the poison rana feed uh, as well as shot in the dark i just have a new episode up this week talking about the debuting Goldie Collins on Woman of Wrestling, as well as MLW, NWA, Impact Wrestling, uh, AEW Rampage, and a whole bunch of other shows that you don't have to watch. Just listen to me for 15 minutes or less. Talk about it. And uh, yeah, next week, like I said, me and Kate will be here for Collision Course on Friday, but our regular nights are on Saturdays after Collision. Uh, Thank you again for everybody for listening, um, for any feedback, any uh, comments, all the calls. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week.